lot to do tonight on Sports Rep. Good to have you with us this Sunday evening. Um, yes, we're going to talk about the Tigers. They have officially, the boat is sunk. They're not even taking on water anymore. It's it's deep, deep in Lake Michigan. I, this thing is out of control. There's no salvaging it. Um, but, but we'll talk to Trevor Huth over at Bless You Boys because, look, th- th- this thing is, it, it's, 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 it's so much worse than anybody thought it would be. It's just awful. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic, which starts this coming week. Very exciting time in the city of Detroit. Uh, So we will talk to our good friend, uh, Casey Herbis, the chief marketing officer for Rocket Mortgage. We'll talk to him at around 642. Uh, but, But a couple of pressing matters that I thought we should address right off the top. Major League Baseball. If a team scores 28 runs in a game, can we just fold up shop? Like, can we just be done? What What are we, why are we going to continue to watch a game where going into the sixth inning, let's see, they were up 22, 24 runs. It was 24 to three going into the sixth inning. I understand we don't have mercy rules in sports, for heaven's sake, for all of those people in the stands that you at least have, that you feign an interest in, that you that you say that you are there for and you care about, could you please send everybody home? Just, just turn the lights off. What do we do? How, how do we allow a ballpark to continue to operate at 24 to 3 going into the last third of the game. That is wild to me. That was one of the most wild scenes I've ever seen. Jason, have you ever seen anything like that? That's crazy. I think the Braves a few years ago scored uh, something similar to either the mid-20s or the the, uh, high-20s, but it it, it wasn't as early in the game. It got out of control later. And when it comes to, like, yeah, you said, what was it, 24 to 3 in the fifth inning. And, you know, of course, a ballpark's going to stay open so their concessions can make money and, and this and that. But, I mean, if you're a Boston fan and you're sitting there, you're going, uh, I didn't think football season started this early. It, it, it was insane. And Toronto didn't even have had a few of their, uh, a few players uh, that didn't play that day as well. Well. Uh, George Springer didn't play. True. And I'm sure, I look, the concessions, I get it. Like, because the Boston fans are going to need to drown their sorrows. So you got to try to, I just like, at what point do you just go, I'm out Blake? What point do you leave? What point do you say, okay, th- there's no return. Um, but I, I got to get out of here. So here's how it went. Toronto took a one, nothing lead in the first. Are you leaving after the first? No, no. Three, nothing after two. No, you're staying. They score seven. In the third, so it's ten nothing. Are you staying? Going into the fourth inning. So it depends on like what kind of fan I want to be that day. If I'm like spite watching, that I'm staying the whole time. If I just want to get angry at, if I'm like a Boston fan and I want to get angry, or if I'm a Blue Jays fan and I hate them, then I'm staying a little bit longer. 
I'll stay till okay. the fifth. All right. So uh, end of the fourth, it is fourteen to three. Team maybe shows a little pulse. You got rocked around again in the fourth, but you, you scored some runs, fourteen to three. All right. So now you're going into the fifth. Blake is hate watching, and they drop an eleven bomb on you. Eleven. So now it's twenty four to three going into the sixth. I don't know that there are many people that would have stuck around. I don't know. I don't know if I know one person that would have stuck around in that game. You're out. I'm not sitting in traffic. I'm not going to watch my team get bombed and then like have to sit in traffic. No way. Not happening. Now, if that were to happen here, uh, I would just, I would personally probably get out of the sun because as we know, sitting at Comerica Park, you can really get a nice burn. Yep. And I'd probably go up to the tap or something. And, okay. you know, maybe if I had some friends with me and, you know, maybe just kind of glance at a TV here and there just to see how bad it got and probably just uh, try to just forget about it. Okay, fair enough. Blake, what are you doing? I, I mean, what, I'm going to hang out with Jason. What's the scenario here? I'm going to hang okay, out with Jason. All right. <laughs> the guy's not enough. out. I'm just out. Like, there's no way. I'm out. <laughs> I can't do this. Like, I couldn't do it. I I, I might have left. I'll tell you, I probably would have left um, at 10 to nothing. Now I didn't in. see the highlights. What did the stadium look like at the end of the game? Like, were there like anyone there? Because there were, if you yes. stayed, you're a loser. Well, remember, <laughs> um, it, it, uh, wasn't it? I thought I saw a story that said some guy proposed. Oh no! Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Jason looked that up for me real quick, but I'm pretty sure that some Boston fan proposed to his girlfriend during that game when it was like out of control. So he was like, well, I, I gotta, I gotta create a good memory from this. So here we go. Way to follow just, through. There, there's no, there is no way I'm sitting around for that zero chance. And you know, what would be nuts. Like I wouldn't sit around the, being a tiger fan, right? You like that is one of the iconic ballparks. Fenway is an iconic ballpark. Like every baseball fan should go to Fenway. I haven't been to Fenway yet. So like for me, if I go to that game as a Tigers fan, just wanting to watch good baseball at Fenway Park, I'm still leaving after the third inning. I'm going to take a lap around the field and then I'm out. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and be subjected to that. <laughs> no so, way. So there, there's a YouTube video of him proposing. Okay. And he proposed while the score was 25 to 3. Okay. And they had to throw this in there, too. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, this is the first time that a marriage proposal by a fan was ever done in a 25 to 3 Major League Baseball game. All right. (laughs) Sure. I'm sure that's Go figure. (laughs) Okay. Good thing that he's in the Guinness Book of World Records for that. And and she said yes, so that's good. She was. Oh, terrific. Great. Good for him. Huge part of the story. I will say, I, I, I just, I would not, I could, you couldn't subject me to that. Half like, off if they beers. Were like, no, no, no. Seventy-five percent off beers. No, no, you couldn't give me free beer <laughs> to sit there and 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 be a a a a body that you can show on TV that we still have people in this season. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. Dollar beers. I am out. 
No. Like <laughs> I just I, said, free beers. If they were free, yeah. I'm still leaving. I'm out. And I'm one of those fans that go, Major League Baseball is the one sport that doesn't have a clock, and you you, you never know what can happen. But at 28 to 5, I think, yeah. you. Uh, what are the you know. Little League World Series rules for, like, uh, Mercy Rule? Yeah, there is some. I believe maybe five innings, or I'm not sure. That's yeah. coming up. It is coming up. Um, if you have, you know, if you if you hit a squirrel in your car, it's the humane thing is to do is is to go if it if it's still alive, you got to put it. That's how I would feel. Like, just put me out of my misery. I'm just languishing here, watching terrible, terrible baseball, and I need to be put out of my misery. This is not okay. And Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball should have stepped in. This is not okay. We, we cannot subject people to this. All right. Coming up next, speaking of really quality baseball, we got to talk about the Detroit Tigers because this thing is over. I mean, it's over. But we had a draft, and, and look, where are we going? I guess that's my number one question. Where is this organization heading? Are we heading to change? Are we heading towards a rebuild? Because I got to be honest, I don't even know who's going to be on this roster next year. So we'll do that with Trevor Huth and bless you boys next as Sports Wrap continues right here on WJR. Tigers get popped for a second game in a row. They are officially 20 games below 500. Uh, they are not a good baseball team. And, and, and look, my question is, where is this team? Where is this organization? Where are we headed? Because we were told the rebuild's over. We were told we were we were ascending. We weren't plateauing. We weren't we weren't tanking anymore. We weren't tearing it down to the studs. We were rebuilding. And, and, and we had got to the point where you could move into the house. And at this point, I, I it was it was a faulty build. Because nothing is structurally sound here. Nothing. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a Tigers fan because we've been in this state of this 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 kind of middle ground or at least uncertain ground for years, years. You know, like 2015, 14, it's a long time ago. You're talking eight years ago, seven years ago. It's just, it's, the rebuild has taken longer than people wanted it to, which, okay, that you can... You can work your way around that. But when you get to the finish line and this is the product, it's it's really not good. And I don't know who's to blame. I don't know that there is one person to blame. Trevor Hoots with Bless You Boys joins us this evening on Sports Wrap. Trev, nice to have you with us. So my question to you right off the right off the, the rip, where are we with this team? Uh, Chris, thanks for having me. Always great to be here. And, you know, it's it's that's a tough question. Um, when you look at the rebuild, obviously you, they, they had all these high draft picks and this year you're starting to see all of them. We've seen Torque, we've seen uh, Spencer Torkelson, we've seen Riley Green, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, all of these guys come up. A lot of them are hurt. Torkelson's back in Toledo. Riley Green is, uh, well, doing Riley Green things with, uh, with Detroit right now. And when these prospects come up, that's kind of when the rebuild should start to see it end. And uh, I know it's been said by the front office that we're at the end of this rebuild, but 
it's just a tough time because they spent the money like they were going to be competing or at least not in dead last in the AL Central, which they are right now by half a game with the with the loss they took today. But then you get all of the injuries to the uh, pitching rotation and they showed pretty good depth. The pitching rotation hasn't really been the problem. Austin Meadows, they went out and traded for him and he, uh, you know, they traded draft pick and they traded uh, Isak Paredes for him. And he hasn't really played much for him this year because he's, he's been hurt. He looked great in the first week and we really haven't seen him since. And then, you know, uh, Javi Baez hasn't been uh, who, who they hoped he would be. He just got hurt again today. Uh, uh, arm contusion, I believe it was. So he's going to be out for a few days. And of course, the other big signing was Eduardo Rodriguez, who's been away from the team for the last month, month and a half, maybe rejoining in the next few weeks. So it's, it's a very weird situation is the only word that I can use to describe it because the pieces seem to be falling into place, but they're just not working out and everything is underperforming from what uh, it was thought to be. So then is this a is this an evaluation problem? Is this a coaching problem? Um, because I don't know that there's just one person to blame. I think Alavila is gonna gonna shoulder a lot of the a lot of the blame, which I think is deserved. Um, but I but I, I think that there's plenty of blame to go around. How, how do you evaluate where where a lot of this issue falls on? Well, to me, I think it goes back to the drafts of the last few years. Um, you know, particularly, you can look back at the draft where the Tigers got Alex Fajardo, which uh, was the 2018 draft, I believe. And you look past Alex Fajardo, who pitched well for the Tigers this year, and, uh, and there's nothing else there really coming out of that draft. And there's a few drafts in a row that are like that. Um, and, and really, uh, focusing on, on prospects and looking at the draft, until the shortened five-round 2020 draft up through this draft, it's really hard to feel confident about anything they did in those. And, and finding those value later in drafts, being able to develop some of those hitters, they're starting to now. There's some minor league names like Wenzel Perez, Kerry Carpenter. They've seen a lot of improvements uh, in their offensive skill set. But kind of uh, developing hitters and finding those values late in the draft, that's kind of where other teams have had the advantage over what the Tigers have been able to do recently so I think if, if I had the point at one thing I think it would be the draft I still think that you know with the, especially with the trade deadline approaching I think this team's in kind of a, a difficult position where they can still go out this offseason they can get uh, another player or two to add into this mix and they're going to be competitive next year that is a that's not an insane thought to me right now but it's just a a matter of getting a little bit of luck, maybe having some health and having the guys that you bring in to fill the gaps between the prospects that were supposed to be your stars, actually being able to fill those gaps. Sure. And and look, I don't think anybody should hold a, uh, a, a general manager or a coaching staff um, uh, up because of injuries. I think injuries happen. I mean, heck, look at the White Sox. It completely derailed their season early on. But I think that when you start looking at some of the guys that have been here or the free agents that you've brought in, it, Austin Meadows kind of aside because of the injuries deal. But somebody like uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's on the restricted list because of an issue that he's having off the field or off the diamond. And then you've got somebody like Javi Baez, who just has not performed to the level in which you not only paid him, but expected him to perform. And so I think for me, it's, 
it certainly is a draft issue and it's a scouting issue. It's, it's, are these guys going to fit into your system? Are these guys going to fit into what the, what the, the, the vibe is in the clubhouse. And to me, it that's where I feel like is the, the weak point in the chain. That's where I feel like I think people are the most frustrated. I totally agree. I think that that's completely fair to say. And I mean, it's probably not good when you sign Javi Baez and he's the current team leader in home runs with nine, but he's also hitting <laughs> 217. Like that's, that's a little tough to swallow, especially when he was, he did, he was not a cheap player this off season. Um, and, and those guys certainly need to work out. I mean, it's, it's, they absolutely do. And I, I just bring it back to player development. We're seeing a difference in the pitching this year. I think that's, that's the key to what they're now trying to, I think, I want to say they're trying to pivot to is getting some new player development guys in um, all the pitchers have gotten hurt. They've brought in these young guys, Bill Brisky, Alex Fiedo, uh, among others, and they've been able to perform. And when you look at it, it's, they're identifying certain things in pitchers in terms of their pitch data, whether it be spin rates or, uh, you know, the, the vertical approach angle, which is just how the ball comes, uh, approaches the plate out of the pitcher's hand, if it's flat or steep, they've been identifying that stuff, it seems like, and been able to develop it. So now uh, I think they've found a formula on the pitching side. It's just the hitting side is still kind of lagging behind. Um, and, and that right there will go for the prospects, for the draft. And it honestly will go to the free agents as well. So, there, there's something going on there. There's something I think that needs to certainly be addressed and fixed and, and worked on. Um, but it's tough to look at the season and see anything good. I'm, I'm trying to stay optimistic. I'm trying to look at the season and see that they, they still could be a piece away. You get Austin Meadows back, you get Eduardo Rodriguez back with the pitching that they have. And, and all of a sudden next year, you're doing a lot better than, you know, the, the back sure. of the AL central. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I really wish I shared your optimism and, and quite <laughs> frankly, you're talking me into it. I gotta be honest. Um, real quick. I wanted, I wanted to hit on, uh, this last draft, uh, what was it? A couple weeks ago, last week, whatever it was, um, Jace young out of Texas tech, uh, and Peyton Graham out of Oklahoma, the shortstop. Um, what do you make of those two guys? Uh, when do you expect to see them? Do we expect to see them? What do you, what do you value them at? Uh, I really loved those two picks. I think that was a very good first day because those were both their, uh, the MLB draft is three days. Those two were the uh, guys they took on day one. Uh, Chase Young was uh, a, a fantastic pick. I really like what he can do. And he's got a ton of power upside, but he also hits the ball pretty well. And he gets knocked a little bit because he has a weird setup with his hands that kind of cock back a little bit before he, you know, loads, but it, he can still hit the ball really well defensively he's probably a second baseman long term he might be able to handle third but um, he's another one of those guys they're drafting because his bat is really good Peyton Graham is uh, kind of the same way where he's got some power he's probably a, a shortstop in the long term but he also has a lot of of hit tool issues he struck out a lot in college and uh, it's noted that he made some swing changes and his strikeouts went way down in the in the back half of his uh college season so we'll see what happens there uh, i'm excited to see what his approach is as he enters the professional ranks we should see them starting to get at bats um as soon as they sign peyton graham is signed already we're still waiting on jace young to sign and they should start filling in a lot of times with this uh, they start in in the low a lakeland and they go to high a and it depends on how they perform from there but i think with jace young especially you can take a look at spencer torkelson another college bat they took 
and see that if Jace Young comes in and he hits the ball really well, they're going to push him pretty aggressively. And, and realistically, if he's, if he's actually hitting, it's a couple of years and we see Jace Young. I got 30 seconds. Speaking of torque, what do you make of the situation, him going back down to Toledo? It's tough for prospects to, to go right away. There were high expectations on him. I hope they can figure something out in Toledo. He's still a good hitter. Yeah. No, I think I think it's a good point. I, I don't think it's time to sound the alarms yet, but if this becomes more of a habit, then certainly something to watch. Trevor Huth, uh, bless you boys. Always appreciate the time, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, you got it. Uh, all right, coming up next... Pat Narduzzi, yes, the former defensive coordinator for the Michigan State football team, now the head man at Pitt, made some interesting comments on a local radio show about the MSU Spartans. And you'll remember Michigan State beat Pitt in the Peach Bowl last year, 31-21. to well, Pat Narduzzi said, if we would have had our quarterback or even our backup quarterback, we win that game. We'll hear from Pat Narduzzi next. All right, welcome back into Sports Rep. You remember Pat Narduzzi, right? He's the head man at Pitt now, but he was the former defensive coordinator for Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio, and that was where the Spartan Dogs originated, right? Like, those Narduzzi defenses were nuts. I mean, they were really, really good. They were fast. They were physical. And and I credit Pat Narduzzi a lot for kind of the transformation that Michigan State underwent. Because, I mean, remember, the offenses were just okay. Like, they were just okay. But those defenses were for real. A couple of years ago, uh, I did the Quick Lane Bowl uh, with Devin Gardner. Um, on WJR was uh, who was in that game? Pitt Eastern. Pitt won the game um, uh, late in the fourth quarter, and I, I remember talking to Devin Gardner about Pat Narduzzi. He's like, I have so much respect for Pat Narduzzi. The dude is just—he's an incredible coach. And remember, it was that that year out in East Lansing where I think Michigan had negative thirty-five rushing yards off the top of my head, because that, that that defensive front, that front seven, was in the backfield constantly. Constantly that season. Um, And look, Pat Narduzzi, he was the guy for all of that. Well, now uh, he was talking to the Black and Gold Banter, which is a, I said it was a radio show. It's actually a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. And he had something interesting to say about the Spartans last year and that Peach Bowl. I want you to listen here to Pat Narduzzi. I think he's a 10-point difference if he plays. I he's, think- a, he's a 21-point difference, okay? Right. Um, Michigan State gets their, their butt kicked in. And I tell you what, it's at least a 14-point difference if Nick Patty plays the whole game. I can tell you that. That's how I feel. Uh, you know, and, you know, we talk about Big Ten and SEC and ACC and Richard, you're going to get me going here on this. Um, you know, if that was one of the best Big Big Ten teams last year. Then, yeah. you know, let's go to the Big Ten and win it every year. OK, so I want to hear about this Big Ten dominance and SEC dominance. Wow. OK, well, first of all, let's talk about who they talked about is the 21 point difference. Kenny Pickett 
was a 21-point difference, according to Pat Narduzzi. Nick Patty, a 10-point difference. Okay. So Narduzzi's telling you, if he had his starting quarterback in the game, they win that game. If he had his backup quarterback in the whole game, they win that game. Now, Nick Patty did not stay in the game. Davis Bevel came in. Actually, he had a pretty productive day, 14 for 18, 150 for a touchdown and a pick. But Michigan State and and Peyton Thorne had just a, a huge fourth quarter, scored 21 points and put them away 31 to 21. But they were losing that game 21 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. So Pat Narduzzi saying, yeah, if we would have had our quarterback, we win the game. If we would have had our backup quarterback, we win the game. Now, to be fair, like let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um, Kenneth Walker wasn't playing in that game. They didn't have their full accoutrement of wide receivers. So I, I think if if this was a straight up uh everybody's healthy, everybody's on the field playing, I would I think Pat Narduzzi would need to he just needs to relax a little bit. I, I don't I don't think that he's a 21 point difference. Okay. That's a little nutty, but I think it's, it's probably a competitive game. I certainly, certainly don't believe that Kenny Pickett is a 21 point swing. He's a good quarterback, but I mean, let's, let's be honest here. That's, that's a little crazy. Blake, what did you make of that? I think if Kenny Pickett plays, they, I mean, he's a 14 point difference. I think, I think that okay the the value of the quarterback who was the only first round quarterback taken in this year's draft is way bigger than anyone MSU had missing. But I mean, they were I I don't know I mean Davis Bevel Davis Bevel came in early too right like he came in did he come in the first half Yeah okay so they were up twenty one to ten going into the fourth quarter. With their third string quarterback. Like, I, I I mean, yes, certainly you have your first string quarterback. That thing looks a lot different, but you're up by, you're up by 11 points. And I mean, again, Michigan, I, this is why I don't like these games because Michigan state didn't even have their full uh, roster of players. But, I mean, Kenny Walker was sitting out for the same reason that Kenny Pickett was sitting out. And you ask Michigan fans what kind of impact uh, Kenneth Walker the third can have in a game where it looks like you're going to win the game. But think about how bad I mean how bad that MSU pass defense was, and the day Kenny Pickett could and would have had. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That that secondary was pretty horrific towards the end, but. I, you know, I, 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 this is why I don't like the transitory game because I just, it's hard to, it's hard to say, well, if we have, if we have Kenny Pickett, we, it's a 21 point swing. I, I, okay. It's possible. I think it's a tough sell because you just don't know, but of course he's going to go to his guys and the, and the, Oh, I, I don't know that he misses being in the big 10 at all. 
uh, he didn't have a lot of real nice things to say about the Big Ten and the SEC. All right, got to take a break. Casey Herbis with Rocket Mortgage coming up next. We're talking golf in the city of Detroit. It returns this week. Don't miss it. Uh, very excited. I mean, it's the week. We're, we're, we're in golf week in the city. Rocket Mortgage Classic returns. Uh, and look, this, this uh, field of players is one I am very excited about. Not only do you have 10 of the top 50 in the world rankings, but in my mind, you've got a group of young players that are going to be the next wave. Um, And to me, Will Zalatoris is must-watch golf. Just must-watch golf. He's never out of the mix. And quite frankly, he's usually somewhere near the top of the leaderboard. Tony Finau, Winning the 3M this weekend. Um, Max Homa, Cameron Young, who had just a, a beautiful open out at St. Andrews. Patrick Cantlay, the number four player in the world. Look, the list goes on and on. Max Homa, one of my favorite golfers to watch, also will be in the city of Detroit for the Rockets Mortgage Classic. There is an absolute ton of work that goes into this. Casey Herbis is the chief marketing officer for Rocket Mortgage. Uh, he joins us this evening on Sports Rep. Casey, uh, great to have you on. At, at what point do you start feeling the jitters that this thing's right around the corner? Uh, about 15 minutes ago. I just actually just <laughs> we just uh, saw the final putt drop in for the John Shippen uh, yeah. event, and uh, you know we just saw the 3M wrap up with Tony. Tony's hopping on a plane to get here, and uh, you know as you mentioned, we're so excited for our fourth year of the Rocket Mortgage Classic at the Detroit Golf Club, and you know we're just you know. Doing the uh, you know doing the dance of uh, to the weather gods and hopefully it's going to be a pure Michigan week at the uh, right in the city of Detroit. How uh, when you start finalizing the details and I know that there's a, a ton of people on your team obviously Jason Langwell the 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 head man of the tournament but Dan Gilbert Jay Farner everybody does a ton of work on this. How much finalizing is done even in this last week or how much is wrapped up at this point? Yeah, great question. For the way we usually approach it, Chris, is like, how do we get to 80, 90%, you know, by Sunday? And we'll deal with the other 10 or 20. Uh, you know, there's a lot of variables that can come into play during the tournament week. But it's a 365-day-a-year venture to put on the Rocket Mortgage Classic. We have the highs and lows. And, you know, it really starts, you know, in the fall and in the early in the spring. We're on the road going to tournaments, talking to players and agents and, you know, making sure everybody knows that this is a must-stop you know, a must stop on the PGA tour. And we're seeing that with the field this year. So it's such an honor to, you know, help bring the vision of Dan Gilbert and Jay Farner to life here uh, at the rocket mortgage classic. So for people who haven't been there and I don't know why you haven't gone, if you haven't, you need to go. It is a wonderful golf experience on a, on a wonderful course. Look, there aren't many Donald Ross courses around original Ross courses. So for that reason, you got to go. But if you haven't been, um, what do you want to tell people? What's the experience like? Why should they get down there? Well, as you just, one of the first things, as you mentioned, is the course, right? 1899, one of the original Donald Ross uh, and classic track. And the sight lines are amazing. It still astounds me even four years later. I was just on the back of 15th hole today uh, for the John Chippen. And you are literally on top of the green. I mean, I can't think of any other professional sport where you can get that close to the action. And it's like for everybody, it's not just for a select few. It is, you know, 
very inclusive and you know we want everybody to enjoy it whether you're watching watching the uh you know the great players inside the ropes or outside the ropes with you know food hospitality you know we a lot of kids activities i mean there is something for everybody at the detroit golf club during the rock mortgage classic you mentioned the 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 ship in um the john ship and national invitational which is i i gotta say just a great great event uh so shout out to wyatt worthington the second yeah. Went seven under today. Uh, he wins uh, the ship in, so he'll be playing in the Rocket Mortgage Classic with the exemption. Um, but the the tournament, and certainly Rocket as a parent company, but but the tournament does so much to give back to the community. It's one of the the huge plus sides of the PGA tour and having a tour stop in your city is the, the, the charitable giving that goes on. Well, rocket obviously is no stranger to that. So one of the big things that you do is bridging the digital divide that has been a, a, a key factor in this tournament. How important is it for you to incorporate those types of messaging, to incorporate those types of, of uh, giving uh, into a, a sporting event, like the Rocket Mortgage Classic at DGC in the city of Detroit? Well, it, you're, you're exactly right. I will tell you there are two things. One is it's an amazing opportunity to shine a spotlight on the city and all the great things that are happening, you know, in Detroit. Uh, we're one of only two PGA Tour stops outside of East Lake and Atlanta that are inside of city limits. So think about that. But above and beyond that is certainly, as you mentioned, is the charitable component of it. You know, we saw, you know, as the pandemic hit, it shined an unfortunate spotlight on the fact that over 60% of Detroit residents did not have access to the internet. Think about how that affects school children, adults, seniors with telemedicine job, and as well as education. And we, we found that this has to be our primary focus with our change in the course and bridging the digital divide. And we've seen now in three years, we've closed that gap. We are now up to 70% of our Detroit residents mm. have that access to technology and digital literacy and the job's not done, but it's something that is just a, one of the big sole focuses of us uh, at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the actual tournament itself. Uh, we hit on a couple of the guys. Uh, Tony Fina winning the 3M out in the Twin Cities. Uh, so that's a huge get coming in. He's a top 20 player. Will Zalatoris is one of my favorite guys to watch on tour right now. Patrick Cantley is just tournament in, tournament out, just one of the most uh, consistent players out there. Cameron Young coming off just a, a, a really incredible push on that Sunday at St. Andrews um, in Scotland. Max Homa, another really good young up-and-coming player. Kiz, Adam Scott, uh, Cameron Tringale. Uh, he, he, then you'll have a couple of the guys that we've seen year in and year out. Jason Day, former world number one. Uh, Cameron Champ won the, uh, what, he won? Did he win last Three year? 3M last year. He uh, won the yeah, that's right. Cam Davis. So, uh, that's yes. Yeah. So, I mean, look, th this is, and for as much, uh, you know, uh, the, all the unsettled waters in professional golf right now, because of what's going on in the landscape, this is a loaded, uh, a, a loaded roster of players. Yeah. And you're exactly right. I, I mean, I give hats off to Jason Langwell who spends year around ensuring that we have the best possible field. I get on the road with him here and there and, we were just up at Travelers a few weeks ago talking to the players on the range. And, you know, listen, the, the, the amount of support, obviously, with the players on the tour for the tournaments and partners, uh, we're seeing that happen here this week. We're so proud of the field, as you just mentioned, a lot of the young guns, if you will, and but also some that, 
you know, a Davis Love, a Davis Love, a, you know, and Luke Donald, and uh, guys that have been on the tour for a while that are still Stuart Sink. favorites. Yeah. Stuart Sink. I mean, the list goes cooch. I mean, I can't wait yep. to hear the, the the crowd and around area three and three is 18 just yelling cooch as he comes up the fairway. And, you know, we're excited. You know, we've had young champions with a Bryson and Cam Davis last year. And, you know, I think, you know, you're going to see guys go low again this week and it's going to be an exciting finish. Uh, so you were out on the course today. How's it look? I, that, that, that rough uh, is, is pretty nasty. The last time I saw it, uh, how, how's the course look? What's the condition? Yeah, I was, I was just on 18, uh, 14 and 15. Uh, and I will tell you on 14 around that, you know, the long par five, yeah. uh, it was about, it was a good halfway up my, uh, my calf. It was long, <laughs> long rough, but you know, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to try and go, you know, those are really, you know, a nice birdie eagle and, and a hole yeah. right then that stretch heading, heading towards 17. And, uh, you know, the, the rough is, the rough is high, but, you know, we've seen guys go low and, you know, they love to get up and bomb it. And so I think we'll expect that again here this week. Yeah. It's not the longest course, but one thing that Ross did is he made sure to put hazards there. And, and there are certainly plenty of those uh, at DGC. Uh, Casey, thank you so much. Uh, best of luck this week. We, we look forward to seeing you out there and uh, uh, looking forward to another rocket mortgage classic out of DGC. Yeah. Appreciate your support as always. And we can't wait to see the city turn out to uh, support the players, but certainly our charitable initiatives. Thanks so much. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Casey Herbis, the chief marketing officer for Rocket Mortgage. Uh, always good stuff. Thanks, Casey. Appreciate it. Um, in the meantime, uh, we do have a, a contingent of people uh, out and about. Uh, are, are we at DGC today? Uh, Jordan uh, Jordan Young out there. Uh, what's up, big fella? How you doing? I'm great, thanks. I'm up here at uh, Boyne. Oh, I'm just sitting on the patio. Yeah. You're, you're at uh, TOC. Yes, I am. Okay. How was yeah. that? Uh, it's beautiful tonight. It rained a little bit today, but it's always beautiful at Boyne. Okay. Uh, I've heard uh, the course up there is is in pristine shape. You know, it's amazing what they do up here with the course. It's under snow for so long, and then uh, all of a sudden the grass turns green, and it's always in top shape. I mean, they do a great job, better than most country clubs around the area. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Boyne is just a special place. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, is Sean Belizean with us as well? I understand it. Hi, Johnny. Hi, how, how you doing? doing? Greatest day ever. Uh, this is su such an exciting week, as you know, Chris. Uh, you've been out here. You'll be out w with us again next week. It's it's so much fun. I mean, there's so much going on this week. So, uh, course looks great. Uh, they've got everything ready. It uh, let's go right. Totally. And you know, it's interesting. We just had KB, Casey Herbis on with Rocket Mortgage and. Um, you know, they talked about the year long process that they take Jason Langwell, certainly as the tournament director, um, they have to go out to all these other tournaments around the country to, to talk this tournament up, why these guys should come play. And I thought it was something, uh, interesting that he said that those guys on tour, obviously the, 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 uh, inferring of live, but the guys that are continuing to remain on tour are are loyal to the tour and they are interested in these tournaments that are being put on by the tour. And so you look at a, 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 a lineup like this compared to what we saw at 3M, it's totally different. I mean, this is a totally different grouping of players than we saw just this last week. 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, Mike Faye's out here as well. Mike, I, I think it's safe to say in, in the, you know, first three years of the existence of this tournament, there's a good buzz. And I think there's a reason why you see the field, as Chris just described, be what it is. Absolutely. You've got some great players playing here this week. Hope everybody comes out to watch and play. And we are right here broadcasting yes. next to the media tent in our own tent. Yes. It's awesome. And we can see the clubhouse from here. It's beautiful tonight. As you know, Chris, a cast of thousands helping us. You know, Ray and Tony and Rieger and Ava and, and Roddy. It's a total team effort because we're all going to be out here this week in one facet or another. I mean, literally the entire station's going to be out here, and we couldn't be more excited for it. All right, so let me ask you a question. Now you're going to talk about Rocket Mortgage tonight. You've got some other stuff to do. Let me, let me ask you this question. Um, at what point in a 28-3 to three game or whatever it was, <laughs> at what point do you leave? At what point do you say, okay, I'm out? That's a great question. <laughs> now, I, I, now, listen – I got to tell you, I jumped the gun once, a Tiger-Cub game. You might remember this, probably 12 years ago. I was so ticked off at the loudmouth Cub fans at the game that I took off. And Ryan Rayburn hit a grand slam, and and the Tigers ended up beating the Cubs that day. So uh, you're always worried that you're going to jump the gun, but I I think in a 28-3 game, you're pretty safe to leave. So I, I think... Once we got to that 20-run margin, I probably would have been gone. Don't you want to see how many they're going to score, though? I mean, I went to Google and said most runs scored. It already had it populated. Most runs scored by one team in a game. I think it was like 37, so they were close. So I would have watched it for the rest of the game to see if they would broke the record. I, You know what? If I'm a Red Sox fan, no way. I, I get too ticked no. off. I really do. Yeah, I get I'm too temperamental. Fan. Come on, I'm a Blue Jays well, fan. Well, you, you're a Leaf fan. You would know. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the thing. is is It was, what, 10 to nothing going into the third. And then in the fourth, Boston scored 11. I'm pretty sure. I don't have the, the box score up right now. They did. They did. But, but okay, so after the the third you're like okay this is getting out of hand and then if they score if they drop 11 in the in the fourth i am 1000 percent out there the, uh, how dare you subject me to this uh, you know chris do you remember the, the Owen 16 season for the lions the thanksgiving day game was just absolutely awful yes i, I remember sitting there going they're not going to stop these guys running all game i think i no. left in the beginning of the third quarter was that the Michael Vick game? No, that was when the Titans, like, every one of their running oh. backs had 500 yards rushing that day. It was awful. It was awful. Mike, you and I could have had 400 yards, maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> All right, uh, fellas, have a nice show. Looking forward to it. Spin on See Golf you, coming your way next right here. Uh, on WJR 705. Don't miss it. Uh, it's going to do it for us tonight. Have yourself a wonderful week. Catch you next week from Detroit Golf Club. Uh, Have a good one. Talk to you then.